Welcome to the Being the Change podcast. My name is Kristen Vandeveer, and I'm here with Isabel Kiyosayan. We are partners, along with Chanel Dalton, the nonprofit Meditation Without Borders. And today we are talking about sexual trauma. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> it's a, a big issue, and you know, it's something that, as we were talking about, um, many women have gone through, and it suddenly, you know, with our podcast, we just kind of see what is relevant at what time, and um, usually something comes up, and it seems to be the need of the time. So I was talking to one of my students the other day, and she she texted me that she wanted to to having like an urgent call and I couldn't get back to her on time. And then when I eventually did, um, it was all for the best because she needed that time for catharsis. (laughs) Is that the word? And she's been meditating for almost two years now. And in one of her meditations, something came up and she discovered that she had been sexually abused um, around four times from different people. And what what was very amazing to her was that it was something that had been repressed for so many years and she's gone to all different types of therapy. She's done a lot of other types of meditation and this, this never came up and in meditation, this suddenly came up and it's very interesting because she has been working on a project about sexual abuse and she didn't know why she was so inclined and passionate about this project. Um, because she was like, well, I haven't suffered through it, but I want to talk about it. And then this suddenly came about. And so she told me all about it and how she had this very cathartic moment of, of healing. And we, we discussed it for like maybe four hours on the phone. (laughs) And, and I, I thought that it was such a relevant topic because so many people have gone through this. I mean, and not only women, you know, men have gone through this as well. And, and she said that she, she blocked it in, in her mind because she felt embarrassed. She felt alone. She felt dirty. And, and when I asked her if we could share her story, she said that absolutely, because it, it is something that should be more openly talked about so that people who, who suffer from this don't feel alone so that we can somehow together, um, you know, try to make a change and, and as we say, you know, unite in this for, th- for these types of things to not, not be so common or not happen at all. Yeah, it's, um, this is a heavy topic, so we'll try, try and add some level levity to it where we can. Um, but you know, for me, this is, this is a very, uh, you know, personal topic, um, because of all the things I've worked through and tra- different types of trauma I've you know, dealt with in my life for whatever reason. And I I don't think I'm alone in this. Um, the sexual trauma is the most sticky, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because we know with our practice, what happens is, you know, these, these traumas are are stored in the the body and the physiology. Um, and you know, the term for it is samskara, which Mm -hmm. is, it's, if you, it's a memory with kind of baked in stress, kind of like a, you know, like one of those hot dogs that's like a bagel dog. <laughs> <laughs> so the memory of the event is the hot dog and then wrapped in the bagel is is the stress around it and um, the trauma. And so, you know, any kind of st- stressful event um, 
you know, we, we have these some scars that we store. And meditation, what it does is it lets the body relax so deeply that the body can heal itself and it releases the stress of these sanskaras and it turns them into smritis. And smriti is just the memory, the memory without the stress. So what can happen is you can have a memory of an event that had been traumatic for you, but suddenly it's like you just remember it, but it doesn't have, it's not wrapped in all that bagel stress anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, but for whatever reason, um, whatever it is about, you know, the sexual trauma in particular, it just seems very tricky to, um, you can do a lot of meditation. I've done, I've done a lot of meditation. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> meditation a lot. <laughs> I have done other- 14 hours a day of meditation <laughs> for more than a month. <laughs> yes, exactly. I have done uh, lots of other t- techniques, um, consciousness techniques. Um, I've done also non-consciousness techniques like Ayurvedic things. I've done all kinds of weird things. I even did a tapas. A tapas is kind of like a um, something where you sort of try and, uh, you know, sacrifice something in order to get something. So like I was practically drowning myself in the Ganga for like a week <laughs> to try and release this, um, my trauma. Um, sexual-based trauma. And, you know, it just, it seems like it just never quite, it improves, it evolves, it gets better. Um, but it's not something that for me that has been like this one day, it's just released and it's gone and and it's not something I have to deal with anymore. Um, and I think for so many, it's not just women, you know, the sexual trauma is is not uniquely a woman women's problem, though certainly it seems like um, women, you know, are the majority of sufferers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what it does, you know, is, is it, it's almost like it, it, it has a dulling effect on everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, it doesn't, you know, the trauma, it's like, it's almost like, you know, you're like one of those big giant ships that has to like, sh- you know, if it starts to take on water, it shuts down, like it closes off a part of itself to, mm-hmm. to contain that, that water coming in so the whole thing doesn't doesn't sink and so for those of us who have suffered sexual trauma it's almost like a part of ourself has to close off and shut down for the rest of it to survive so releasing that is very hard because i think the the defense mechanisms that are keeping that in place are holding on so tight because it's like wait if we release this we might not survive you know mm-hmm. um and so, you know, when, when working with sexual trauma, I think it's something that we all have to be, we have to be really kind to ourselves and know that this is, it's a long process. Um, and for a lot of people, you know, the trauma happened early in life. So this is trauma that is formative, you know, it, it gets entangled into your identity in a way. Um, and anything that's part of our identity is, is harder to release. Um, so. So yeah, there's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tangled thing, (laughs) but meditation, um, you know, meditation is definitely one of the best, I would, like I said, I I don't know if it's always a cure, but it's certainly, if you're going to take a tactic, um, if you're suffering from this kind of thing, it, it's probably the, one of the best tactics you can take. 
Yeah, I was, I was as I was discussing with my student about her experience. She was telling me that you know all of all of her relationships, she had had so many kind of blockages um, of not really allowing herself to open up because of of that trauma, but she couldn't really under, understand where it came from. And so she was just completely in awe of how her meditation, you know, showed her what was actually happening. And so what we were talking about was like, like maybe she would have found out eventually, but maybe she would have been 60 or maybe she would have been 80 or, you know, maybe, I don't know, 70 or, or whatever. But what our meditation helps us to do is to evolve at a faster rate, to get rid of, of stresses in a, in a much more relevant fashion. So what I was telling her was like, well, now, you know, so now you can really, I mean, work on, on those blockages. Now you can heal from knowing that in a much more relevant way, because if you didn't know, I mean, you're still going to heal sometimes in our meditation, most of the time in our meditation, we don't really know what we're healing. We just start to feel better. But when something like this arises, you can have the certainty of what exactly is that that is happening and how you can go about it. So her identity probably is going to, it's going to shift a little. I mean, she, she, she's making a whole career out of this before even actually know, knowing what happened to her consciously. But once that, that she's putting all of her work into that. And once that kind of continues to be released, I'm sure that her blockages um, will probably lessen and she'll be more open to, to life. And it's something that now she can act consciously in. What's fascinating about that story is I really think, you know, her meditation is what was slowly eroding the blockage. And so the first level of that was her subconscious pursuing this, which is fascinating that she started pursuing this, feeling the need. Some, obviously a part of her was aware of what happened. And so it was, um, it was pulling her in that direction. And then it eroded some more, eroded some more until finally, it's almost like the, the, the consciousness felt comfortable enough to let her know what was going on. You know, it was like, okay, we know you're, you will survive this. And so we're going to give you the information. Um, and so it was, it was the, it was the softening of the defenses that, um, that is leading her on this journey. Um, and the other thing that's also fascinating about this particular story is it's a wonderful example of how our trauma is oftentimes what shapes our purpose. You know, I got chills from hearing you say that. It's, it's, you know, it, it's what's the beauty behind trauma, because when we have traumatic experiences, we suddenly become someone who can relate to others who have similar experiences. And if you're someone who is in a, um, who's on a journey of spiritual um, evolution, you are going to be evolving yourself very quickly with this trauma. And so um, usually what happens is it's, it's at the point of trauma that lets us be most helpful, you know, because that means that we are able to relate to those who, who, who need that. 
Um, and, and this can be for anyone, you know, any, anyone who's had any kind of trauma, you are now in a perfect position to make someone else feel less alone. Um, and share, share in that. It's not, it's not like you have to, you know, just go out there and disclose everything you've been through, but it's almost like a recognition, you know, um, like, you know, when, after my mother died, suddenly I became part of a club of people who'd lost parents, you know, and yeah. suddenly people naturally just came to me when they'd lost people to talk mm -hmm. to about it because I, it wasn't, um, it wasn't an academic thing for me. You know, I could speak very personally about my own experience with it. Um, and the same, the same with, you know, sexual trauma. You know, I've, I've certainly had plenty of students who've experienced, um, different degrees of it. And because it's been my journey, I have, I, you know, I, I don't have to just read from the textbook, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you and, can help them in a much, in a much deeper way. You know, as my student was telling me, she was like, she she blocked it because she felt completely alone she didn't feel at liberty to discuss it with anybody because she didn't really know anybody that was going through the same thing which <laughs> you know unfortunately i'm sure that other people she knew were going through similar things but nobody talked about it so you feel completely alone and you close off and so so when you open up yourself up i mean if if it seems right it's not like well, we need to talk about it. You know, sometimes it's okay to keep it to yourself, but if at some point it seems relevant to speak up, it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll empower others and to do the same and you'll, you'll feel connected and, and probably, and probably the more, the more open this is, the more we can try to, to stop it. Because what I was talking to my student was a lot of, a lot of things that, and, and it shouldn't be normalized, but a lot of things that she went through, at some point we wouldn't we wouldn't have thought that it was a big deal, you know. It's like, oh well, this guy did this. Well, yeah, yeah, you're probably drunk. And it's like, well, that is absolutely not okay. <laughs> and and nothing that is not mutual should ever be um, considered okay. But. So I think the the more the more open and the more we talk about it, the more that we can start to create a change. You know, it's it, when the Me Too movement happened. The most interesting thing about that for me was just the the it, it was just everybody. You know that that that's what you know. That, I mean, there's so many elements to that movement, but the fact that it was just like that's why it's called Me Too. It's like yeah, it's all of us. Like almost every woman and many men, but um almost every woman has had some experience with some sexual trauma. And, um, and so, so yeah, it makes sense for us to help each other with it and get over the kind of social taboos of it. Um, I see a lot of parallels to with how, you know, people would say like, Oh, well, what were you doing? Were you drunk? What were you wearing? That kind of stuff. It reminds me of what's going on now with um, the issues of social justice, justice, the Black Lives Matter movement, where it seems like every time, you know, something happens to someone, there's those people who are like, well, you know, they, they, they were drug addicts or they had, you know, what were they doing yeah. to provoke the police? You know, it's just like, oh, uh, how funny. That's a very similar, similar um, line of thought there where, you know, 
you're going after the victim. Um, and, um, and I just feel like, like, you know, the more we talk about it openly, the less it gives people the opportunity, you know, the more it comes to the surface and the less, you know, it gives power to those people who just try to put it back, put the lid back on it, you know, cause there's always those people trying to put things back, maintain the status quo, put the lid back on it. And that's what they're trying to do. They're like, by you coming out, it's almost like you are, you're causing change. You're causing progress. And so there's, whenever you're a change maker, there's always going to be those who are going to try and push you back because there's those aspects of consciousness. Whenever they are highlighted for deletion, they, they get nervous. <laughs> you know? and, no, not me. <laughs> right. And they're like, Oh no, you know, that the old ways, you know, are, are certainly getting um, shaken up right now. And people whose consciousness is very much about the old ways, they are, um, they're feeling the uh the specter of annihilation and so so that's where they're coming from it's it's ever never anything personal it's their own experience and their own fear is what's making them you know try and shut you down and so if we can the more we talk about it the less that will work mm -hmm. and the the stronger we get and, and the more when someone says that it just it's just like you can just ignore it because we know what that is you know <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, if we, you know, there is a lot of change that can be, um, that can happen the more we are open. And I feel like it's all part of what we talked about a few weeks ago, the whole rising feminine. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was thinking because, you know, I, I, I remember when I was younger, um, if people would call you out on the street, I don't know what the, what is it? Cat calling? Cat call. Cat call. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it would be like, yeah, <laughs> you would be like, oh, a little uncomfortable, but now, <laughs> hey, sexy, um, you might be a little uncomfortable, but now, you know, women are like, no, you know, so it's like, even things that used to be not, I don't want to say normal because it shouldn't be normal, but common yeah. things that, that were common. Um, now because we stand together, it, it, we, we, you know, you feel supported <laughs> yes. in, in some way or another. So you know that you are not alone and that gives you, give you, gives you power. And that's a little bit of, of also the feminine rising. We, we are, we used to kind of like, oh, well, you know, that's how, you know, some people are and whatever. And it's like, well, yes. But if there's an opportunity to show them that they can grow and not have these behaviors that are completely irrelevant and there's an opportunity for that, well, that shouldn't be missed. It's funny. I think about back in the day, you know, I used to work in advertising. And if you've ever watched Mad Men. I uh... haven't. I have to. <laughs> I mean, that show was from the 60s. And obviously, you know, I was not even alive then. However, it wasn't honestly that much different, you know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. the and what was scary about that time though, is the level to which I participated in, you know, like I, they used to put me on all the TNA accounts because I was one of the only women. Mm -hmm. 
And so it made them feel better. It's like, oh, look, we're not chauvinist pigs because look, we have the woman actually doing that work. <laughs> so I ended up doing, I, you know, I was, I did work for a casino, um, tag body spray was a big account <laughs> of mine for a long time. Um, like I, I had this whole series for a long time. Like it, it's, it's just absurd. The amount of, um, the level of sexist advertising I did is sickening <laughs> to me now. Um, but it's interesting because now it's like I've evolved to where I, you know, and even to relate in that setting, you kind of have to be okay with the, with the jokes and the, and, you know, just kind of roll with it all the time. But that was just a, a matter of survival. And I feel like now I would never, I, I would, um, I wouldn't stand for it. You know, and I'd be yeah. interested to go into ad agencies now and see if the women are still standing, or, you know, if they're mm -hmm. if they're rolling with it or if they're standing up and being like, no, I'm not going to Photoshop another set of triple D boobs. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I had a similar experience. I, I worked in, in TV and I sold advertising. And because, you know, we were the salespeople and we had to meet with all the clients, mm -hmm. like I had to wear heels. Imagine me in heels. Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like I can barely walk properly with broken socks. <laughs> I can't imagine it. I really can't. Heels. We had to have our nails done. We had to have our hair done. We had to like look fabulous because you know we were selling so in a way you're actually kind of selling yourself but not in the way that i wanted to and like <laughs> every day they would be like isabel your hair isabel your nails isabel your shoes <laughs> just give it up already um and i was in a team with only men and i was and i had to put up with the same behavior that you're talking about because if not you know um they all went to play golf at lunch and they all went to you know to play tennis and they all and they drank and i haven't really had a drink in years so i didn't really fit in so it's like i have to kind of lower my consciousness to try <laughs> to fit in because if somebody's going to get a raise it's not going to be me <laughs> It's funny, like, just, to, I'm just remembering some things. Like, I remember one of my jobs that I had just, you know, I first week on the job and um, someone there uh, licked my face. Oh my God, <laughs> what? And there's a photo of it and it like was spread around, you know, and I, it was just one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to laugh with it because this is my new job and I don't want to want to, um, you know, I don't want to rock that, you know, I've only been here, what, six days, but, um, but it was weird. It was just like, wow, this is the world we live in where I can have my face licked and, <laughs> and it just has to be cool with it. And so I'm so glad the culture is changing beyond that, but, um, it, it, it just, it has to, I don't think that would be acceptable <laughs> today. I mean, it never was, but I think today more people would, would stand up for it. I mean, and, against it. Yeah, against it. Yay, liquor! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What's funny is in the photo, it's actually, I don't know where the photo is. The photo is long gone, but like the expression on my face is one I've like never seen before. I was just like, what the heck? It's just like this look of bewilderment and confusion and all these things. Um 
And honestly, I, you know, that wasn't that traumatizing for me, but it, it was something that was just such an obvious, like, okay, this should not be happening. And this is a workforce that makes that, that thinks that's okay. Exactly. And um, I mean, that's something that, you know, it, it's, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but the fact that it doesn't seem to be like a big deal talks about- A big about, deal is the big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's like, where are we, where are we standing? Like, I also remember in my office, there was this girl that came to be interviewed and she was like a pretty girl and she looked nice and people, the men in the office, I mean, it sounds like I'm hating men, which I clearly don't, but it was really intense to see this because they dragged her into everybody's office to be interviewed, even though they, they had nothing to do with what job she was applying for, just so they, they could check her out. And they yeah. were like like little dogs. It was <laughs> it was really uncomfortable. I was like, please leave her alone. Like she has no idea what you guys are doing. And it's these things that, you know, probably today would not be would not be as normal as it was back then. I mean, this was maybe like four or five years ago, but but still it's it's I mean, even a little bit of that is not acceptable. Well, it's, what's interesting about these big movements of, of you know, um, uh, you know, Me Too, which is continuing, you know, like the the feminine is definitely continuing to gain speed and traction and, and strength. And, um, and I, it's, it's almost as if you got to think about not just our own little individual experiences of trauma, but the, how the feminine has been <laughs> getting the short end you know, of things yeah. for so long. And when I, I remember once my, um, I've got this friend um, who I went to uh, high school with, and she's now become an amazing photographer. Her name is Michelle Gardella, and she made this beautiful um, book called River Story. And it was a book of women. It was just women like with these beautiful flower crowns in water because she entuned that when women get into water, they just, they just, it like, it cracks them open. And we know through our Vedic studies that, that water is the element of the mother, of divine mm -hmm. mother, of, of the feminine. And so, you know, it's almost as if it's like by women entering water, they, um, they have for, it's almost like for a moment, I think women are always, you know, they're nurturing everyone, they're holding everyone up and they long to be nurtured and they long to be held up, you know, and be mothered. And so for a moment, these women got into wa water and felt that mothering which let them relax and open up. And so I received my copy of the book in the mail and I, I, for whatever reason, I walked into the bathroom with it and I opened it up and I had barely looked at a few pages when all of a sudden, like I dropped the book and started sobbing and had this higher consciousness experience where suddenly I saw this uh, lattice of light of basically, it was almost like a lattice of, a connect, of all the women of the past ever connected in this beautiful, like just going on and on and on. And for a moment, it's like I could feel the trauma of, of all of it, of the, the whole history of the feminine <laughs> that has been traumatized. And it was just, it had me on my knees sobbing in my bathroom over this beautiful book. Um, 
And I remember talking to our teacher um, about it later on, and he said it reminded him of a fresco he saw in Sri Lanka, I believe, of, um, it was this fresco of all these women, and it was basically a lineage, um, almost like a family tree, except rather than it going, you know, the tree by the, um, the paternal line, everyone was connected with an umbilicus. And so wherever the, the male... I think I remember this. It's, it's, remember the story? Yeah, I yeah. think I do. But I, I want to hear it again because I, I think I was in an integrative consciousness <laughs> state that I didn't appreciate the beauty of this. <laughs> he talked about it in our, our training. But mm -hmm. um, so wherever there was a man in the fresco, it stopped. But the women were connected. And I remember him saying he's like, the true lineage is, is feminine because it's the umbilicus connecting us all. And so he's like, basically, you kind of had a vision of that. And, um, but it was just this, this moment of just feeling like, oh, the pain I am feeling is just a little piece of this greater story. You know, I'm just a little fraction. My trauma, my sexual trauma is just part of a bigger, it's almost like it's all one whole. And all of us who've experienced it, it's, it's like we are just participating in this one aspect. And that is what lets us be healers of it, you know, not just heal ourselves, but we can heal others with it. Cause really, you know, it's, we're all just experiencing this one, this one big trauma and consciousness that goes way, way back. And by what's happening is we're in the time where we are finally, we are finally able to release it. You know, we are finally getting to the point where the feminine is gaining its, its strength and its full power and any time you have a leap in consciousness forward, you have to let the old shit go. Yeah. And so part of our spiritual journey um, as people, and certainly as part of our participants in the rising of this feminine, is we have to learn to let this go. We have to learn how to leave it behind us because it is the thing that is that is preventing us from feeling our full power. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but we can know that as we do this work, we're not just doing this work for ourselves and as individuals. We are doing this work for all those women going way, way back. You know, you can just close your eyes and think of some woman in the 1500s who is just on her dirt floor sobbing because she's been traumatized and you're doing it for her. You know, you're doing it for for all of them. And so for me, I got to have a beautiful glimpse of that and that experience of that connection but we all have that connection we all have that connection and so so as we do this it, it's we can we can know that one we're not alone in the trauma and two our healing is benefiting everyone not just now but forever behind us and also in the future you know I have two daughters and I know I have to heal for them I have to heal myself to be the best mother for them I have to heal myself so I don't pass on the patterns that, you know, let me work on <laughs> tag body spray <laughs> as a client. <laughs> and, um, and I need to heal so I can help this world heal so that the world they're living in is one that they can be full beings in. You know, so many people I think have women when they have daughters have a mixed feeling. Have, have any of your friends talked about that, Izzy? Yeah, yeah. And most of them have had boys. It just one of them has had a girl and 
And yeah, and you know, even we sometimes see it in, I've seen it in several films and it's like, they're a little disappointed to to have a girl because of of how hard it it can be there there's that 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 moment you know when you're yeah obviously it's like oh my gosh i have a girl just I, <laughs> I'm like, yay, all the cool stuff i get to buy <laughs> i have so much better clothes um baby clothes for baby, baby girls but um but there's that that other thing where it's you, I just have this I remember for both of them I had this moment of like please get let them get through their adolescence please let them get through their early adulthood especially let them be strong let them be formed don't let them experience that don't let them have don't let that be part of their <laughs> I really please don't let that be part of their story because of your story and how how conscious it made you um, I'm sure that that they have that consciousness in them as well. Even if, if, you know, you don't have to talk about it, but I'm sure that growing up in that awareness is something that is, is going to change the story compared to maybe somebody else, somebody else's daughter. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I already, you know, you know, the, the, it's so funny now that I'm actually homeschooling them. So I'm not just, their mom teacher on their teacher teacher too it's <laughs> always a constant and their you know, spiritual teacher and their spiritual teacher <laughs> um you know just trying to think of like what do they need you know i know they need to learn to read they need to learn how to write i'm like but they need to learn confidence you know they need to learn how to stand up for themselves they need to learn how to find their voice and I'm like, you know, trying to tune how to incorporate that into their very early learning so that when it gets to, um, so that when it gets to the point when they're confronted and they will be confronted with situations that they have the strength to adapt to it and, um, and hopefully avoid it. And if they can't avoid it, they know how to work through it. Um, But, and and these are things that, that we should, I mean, most people don't learn them, especially not in school, you know, life kind of hits you around and, you know, sometimes you develop these skills. Meditation definitely was for me the biggest teacher. It was definitely for me what made me uh, find my own voice before that I was just the biggest pushover. I still am a little, but (laughs) (laughs) but nothing compared to what I was. And so learning this from such a young age is the biggest gift. It really is because it really lets you, um, lets you deal with what is no matter what your, what is in your life, you know, <laughs> no matter what your is, is it helps you deal with it and it helps you just look at it as a, as, as this is a thing that shaped me. Um, as opposed to this is a thing that ruined me. Um, it's almost like this is the, you know, one of the things that made me who I am. It was a teacher, you know, uh, meditation helps you have that perspective for me before the meditation. I did not have that perspective to me. You know, these things that happened to me, they were the things that, that made me not me, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and with meditation, they make you this specific, you know, brand of you and almost improves the way you can relate to the others. Um, 
and and it, and it, the meditation just really helps you get into your big self where the trauma becomes not part of your identity, but something maybe you still experience, but it feels like it's outside of you. You know, mm -hmm. it's away from the seat of your awareness. So it's something you're witnessing as opposed to something that you are. Um, and when you get into that, that position where finally this is something that's just something you, you know, it may not be gone, but it's, it's amazing how it just shifts everything. Like it, like I think about um, how meditation has helped my relationship, you know, being a trauma victim and being in a relationship is a very challenging thing because, you know, if you oftentimes trauma victims have their partners can be the sweetest, you know, most docile partners in the world, but there's something in the body that doesn't know that. And so that trauma can be triggered and suddenly some element of your body thinks of that partner as as the enemy or someone who's out to harm you and hurt you and the whole body freezes up and goes through the fight or flight, you know, when, and the exact moments when you want to have in, intimacy. Um, now, you know, it's very difficult. You have to have a very, you know, be in a very good relationship um, to, and have a partner that understands that, you know, because they can't take it personally, you know? <laughs> And a lot of people do <clears throat> when you um, try to be intimate and and for whatever reason you can't because the body shuts down through just a system of fear. And even if you're in your mind, you're calm. Sometimes these, I mean, you can't even control it. It's the body defending you. Exactly. And um, with meditation, it lets you, it, that minimizes that automatic fear response becomes less, you know, and, um, I won't say, at least in my case, it's gone away, but it's something, it's, it's a fraction of what it used to be. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then suddenly, you know, when that happens, you can actually see, you can relate to your partner. You're going to have a shared experience. You can see that your partner for who they are. Um, and, and that, that, that automatic fear response doesn't always get in the way. Um, but I just, I, I'm so glad we talked about this. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, we're almost at the end here, but I, you know, when we're done, I'm going to, if I drank wine, I would pour myself a glass of wine. <laughs> but, you know, you, you tapped on some very, something very important because one of my other students, she, she's had something similar and, you know, every time that she's going to be intimate with her husband, um, she has a similar response and, she's been working with him to connect on on a much more intimate level and she says that even though the physical aspect of her relationship is not going well the the way in in which they have connected intimately is something that has been much more stronger than any other relationships that she's had in the past so, so, and, and, you know, she's a meditator, I, I mean, she's my, she's a meditator, but, um, and so I, I think that that allowed her to connect with her partner in, in a deeper, deeper level that maybe if she hadn't gone through that, she wouldn't have connected and uh, her relationship might not be as, as strong. 
And with my other students, something that we had discussed was that, you know, it's something that not in the same way, but our Meditation Without Borders project, you know, it was delayed, delayed, delayed. And then we finally were able to, and then COVID hit. And so this podcast came about. And so with my student, her project has been delayed for many, many reasons, COVID as well. And so now that she knows what happened, her project has an even bigger purpose. So she was in awe of how the universe works. She was like, I was so frustrated by my project not coming to life and I didn't understand why. And now she's like, this is why. Like I needed to go through this. I needed to understand this so that I could make my project in a much, you know, like deeper, deeper way and something that would move me and move, move, move more people. So she, she was like, now I can do it deeply from my heart and deeply from my wounds. And hopefully it'll, it'll help some people along the way. So she was, you know, just very impressed by the timing of how everything came to be, which is something that as meditators, I mean, it's always happening, but as meditators, we become a little more conscious of these things. So we, we get in awe a little more and then we normalize it. But it, the, these things are happening uh, a lot. They are. And, you know, I've, we should have her on our podcast when she gets her project going. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, part two of this. Um, yeah I, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people listening, you know, this is a very um, difficult subject. But, we, you know, we just want to leave you all with... A couple things. One, you know, if you've experienced sexual trauma, you are certainly not alone. Um, if you're a meditator who has sex, sexual trauma as part of your repertoire and your history, um, you know, just know that sometimes like the unstressing can be intense if you're releasing some of it. Um, but just know that if you experience anything like that, it is being released um, and be patient with yourself. And also to think about, you know, to think about these fractures that are caught, that are caused due to sexual trauma. Think of them. These are the places that crack you open. You know, these are the places where, you know, in the wall where the flowers grow, you know, this is the, these are the points of connection to others. Um, you know, this is, this is where, this is your greatest potential for healing and finding um, purpose to help the furthering of, you know, yours and your, your fellow um, um, friends and, and, you know, human beings evolution. So, so, you know, not to put a positive spin on it, (laughs) but, um, but really just to give it a different perspective that hopefully makes it not feel like it's a part of you and not feel like it was all in vain. Um, But knowing that it's something that you can, shape yourself around and create something wonderful from so and, and if you, you need all. somebody to, yes. to talk to we are yes. also here we and, are here you know even just maybe even just listening might help so you know we're we do this podcast but we're also here to help anybody who might need it absolutely so please reach out to either of us you know we're definitely around uh, or come to any of our group, you know, our group meditations, That those two, you know, the one, the group I have, the sweetest people, and we're always talking about our personal stuff. So. 
Um, so thank you everyone. Thank you for um, listening to us, let, um, letting us share some of our, you know, um, personal stories with you. And um, yeah, I hope to um, have you back soon. If you if you'd like to hear more from our podcast, you can go to meditationwithoutborders.net um, and go under the, the podcast tab, and there you can find all our um, all our episodes. And also, we're on Apple iTunes and Spotify. Thank you all so much. Thank you.